Coach Bucket, George and Alex, Coach Bucket. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. We're starting. Okay, just My name no. is George. We're starting okay. now. Alex is here as well, co-host. This is the sixth episode. Say hello, Alex. Are we starting that way? Okay. Yep. Hi, George. <laughs> hi, hi. Uh, today on Culture Bucket, we'll be discussing animated films. We're going into the world of animation today. Isn't that exciting, Alex? No, I'm not excited because you, you, yeah, no. I'm, I'm not ready. <laughs> well, off the back foot. That's how the best. That's how the best radio is made. Great. Okay. Quick shock jocks. We're shock jocks now. So <laughs> let's go. Six episodes. Now we are incredible. Boom. Yes. Exactly. Energy. We've got so much. Oh, the amount of energy we've got is incredible. Ooh. That's so, the amount of energy uh, I had. Ooh. So, we'll be doing our usual culture catch-up, then we'll be discussing our homework, and then we will be doing our top fives, and then we'll be giving each other homework. And each of those segments will have a jingle. Isn't that right, Alex? Yes, it is. Good. <laughs> Just for each category. Yeah, so it could be like, Okay, culture catch up time, ah, and then it goes culture, culture catch, up catch up time, and then it, and then we go into that section, and then I'm like, right, moving on to homework, ah. and it's like homework. Ah, okay, so yeah. And now we really are a podcast because no podcast is complete without the people doing it, discussing behind the scenes stuff that is best left off the podcast, <laughs> which is why I did that just there. Oh wow, we're yeah. professionals. I've carefully considered every aspect of what amazing. We're doing. So. Catch up time. This is culture catch up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. Alex, what have you caught in your culture bucket this week? Oh, in my culture bucket this week, um, uh, I finally watched Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, uh, fantastic. 2016 Taika Waititi film. Yep. And I remember you telling me that it was like completely in between uh, what, oh, what, what we're doing what we in the shadows and um, Jojo Rabbit. And you were absolutely yep. like usual, right? <laughs> Thank you. So there's this kid uh, that is being taken from foster home to foster home. And uh, it starts with uh, him being taken to this uh, new foster home in the middle of nowhere uh, with this uh, lovely lady, Bella, and her husband. Oh, my God. What's his name? Um, Sam Neil. Which I didn't realize was from New Zealand. Yeah, he's a Kiwi. I didn't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's one of the greatest living Kiwis. <laughs> New Zealanders. One of the greatest living, <laughs> along with Peter Jackson and Taika Waititi. Yes. Um, uh, and um, and it's just... Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it too much. But no, no, don't spoil it too much. 
Uh, but yeah, and it's just the story about this kid in this new house. Uh, something happens and he becomes a fugitive. And then there's a nationwide um, manhunt for him and the uh, foster dad. And that's it, pretty much. And do you remember the name of the boy? No. Isn't it? Is it Ricky Baker? Ricky! Yes, it is Ricky. <laughs> They say his full name every time they say his name. Or it's really funny. Ricky Baker. Ricky Baker, yeah. Uh, uh, do you remember the birthday song they sing for him? Yes, but I don't. I can't. I can't sing it right now. Do you, can you sing it? No, I can't sing it right now. But it's, it's like one of the, the highlight, funniest of the moments in that film. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's funny. It shows the beauty of New Zealand. I've always wanted to go. I want to go even more. Um, it shows cracks in society about foster care system, you know, m moving a child from house to house, expecting the child to adapt in no time. And uh, once adapted, then it has to move to another house. There's, that was very... I, I, I enjoyed that he managed to portray that and also make a really funny, enjoyable movie. Yeah. And he plays, Taika Waititi plays the priest. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He always has He's to play the dumbest fun. character, doesn't he? Yeah. But I, I could watch it again and again. It was so good. And I'm sure I missed bits because I was laughing so hard uh, at certain points. But I, it's just so good. He's amazing. Taika Waititi yes. and everybody in the film. Everybody in the film is spectacular and uh, it's really, really good. I really enjoyed it. So thank you for introducing me to Taika Waititi. You're very welcome. Uh, and then I watched, <sighs> finally, after many years I've been meaning to, I've watched a Ken Loach film. Uh, oh. I've watched Sorry We Missed You, which came out oh. in 2020, this year. Uh, I've been avoiding Ken Loach quite a lot because he uh very different <laughs> from Taika Waititi he shows reality in a non-funny way in a very real way um yeah. and Sorry We Missed You is uh the film of a family that is struggling uh because of uh, uh low pay and uh, zero hour contracts in the UK and um, it's just uh, it just shows the reality of many families in the UK. Um, well, yeah, and that's that's the story. It's just a family who's struggling, yeah. and it's amazing. He's a great filmmaker, director. Um, it shows things how they are. It shows them in a very simple, understandable way. Um, there's no happy ending because there's no happy ending. It's very real, very, very real. Yeah. And I, I haven't been left speechless after a film for quite a long time. After a film, I really want to talk about it and I want to, I, I ask people questions and but after this, I just was speechless just because it's so real. Well, the reality of a lot of Britain at the moment, you know, this gig economy, uh, no, well, the, the, the wife is a carer and she earns little money and only for yeah. the shifts that she <clears throat> makes and he has the same. And, and, and it just shows that it's so easy when, when you have nothing to lose everything, how the struggle persists. 
And um, he's an incredible filmmaker and uh, I need to watch others of his films. Um, but it's just hard. Very yeah. hard. Because it's reality. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a film. It's a reality. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen any Ken Loach films, which is shameful. But <laughs> a bit like you, they 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 seem like such a a big thing to sit down and watch. And I know that it's going to be really important and important to yeah. watch. But but I I yeah no, I feel almost ashamed. That I like there's I Daniel Blake as well. Which yeah, which is um, meant to be yeah heartbreaking and and really important. And then yeah, I really really want to watch Sorry We Missed You. Yeah, but. I just haven't found that moment where I felt like kind of putting myself through that, which isn't right because I should do that. Um, yeah. Because it does shine a light on the kind of the system that's been created in this country that really does dehumanise workers and mm. and create these scenarios where people are kind of living in working poverty, yeah. which is not, yeah. not the way any country should operate and certainly not one that thinks it's one of the kind of best countries in the world. Exactly. So, so yeah. It's, yeah, but... Yeah, watch it if you can, if you have uh, a little bit of time, because I think I think he, he needs to be watched, and it, uh, I've I've been meaning to watch his films for a while, and it's just I've just been scared in a way. Yeah, just because he's been going for years. He's been going since the sixties, yeah. right? And he's always been kind of making yeah. these movies that really. My mum calls them kitchen sink dramas. Yeah, they're they're very realistic, and they show what society is about now, and it shows uh, in England that maybe people from outside don't really see it because people. Um, especially here in Italy, go think of England as this amazing, rich, and everybody's got a job country, and think that Italy is, you know, second to that. But the the, pov- the this kind of problems is not as big in Italy that it is in England. But yes, so Ken Loach, sorry we missed you. And then um, I watched a French film because I thought, you know, I need to give French films a bit of a a chance, and um, I watched this film called Bienvenue à Marley Gomo, or in okay. on Netflix, The African Doctor. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so uh, the actual title, the French title is uh, "Welcome to Marley Gomo," which is a little French town in France, <laughs> of course. Uh, but it's yep, about this. Um, uh, doctor, uh, and it's, it's based on a kind of real story of uh, Seolo Zentoko, which was a doctor from uh, Zaire. Uh, okay. And uh, he uh, gets a job in, um, instead of what well, he could go back to Congo and uh, work as a doctor for um, the dictator at the time, which I can't remember the name now, or uh, he got offered a job in this tiny village in France. And so he gets the job in the tiny village in France and it shows the struggle of being a black family in 1975 uh, in a small village in France. Uh, It's about race and um, kind of like the ignorance of people not having met uh, another culture and not really understanding the culture and how he uh, he tries to um, adapt well get his family to adapt to the French um, culture and trying to lose his culture as well, you know, because they can't talk um, their native language anymore, which is a mix of like French and something else. And um, 
and uh, shows the struggles, but also uh, it's, uh, shows the acceptance of, uh, of them in the village as well. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a film written by the actual son of this doctor and uh, he's a rapper. Oh, so it's a true story. Yeah, so he's a rapper. He's oh. a French hip-hop art artist, The Sun. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this song called Bienvenue à Marli Gaumont. And, uh, and it was just talking up in this song, he's talking about um, his uh, life in this tiny French village as the only black family. And yeah. uh, and then he became really popular, and then he wrote this film. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's it's um it could it could have been really serious, but he decided to make it in a comedy. So it's quite funny. Uh, okay. Quite yeah. It's it's um really really good. I I enjoyed oh, it. It sounds quite good. Yeah. I was. It sounded very similar to the Ken Loach movie for a little while, but you said it's, it's more of a comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a comedy. Oh, that's yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of like the struggles of this family, uh, more like a race, uh, racial struggle. Uh, but then, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's written by the son, which is interesting. So it kind of shows yeah, how he sees it, and maybe, um, of course, it could have been much more serious uh, because you know they call them derogatory names, the kids especially, because uh, um, they call them like derogatory names, and you can work on that but i think he wanted to make something a little bit more light-hearted hmm. and show kind of the positiveness as well but yeah so look up the african doctor yeah. on netflix yeah, on if you want to yeah check that the out. african doctor hmm. yeah sounds good and then i did my homework and that's pretty much it for this week for me how about you george yeah, okay cool. well i watched a couple of films this week as well no music really to talk about this week have you had any no. New music? No. No, I've just been listening to the same stuff, yeah. so nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing too exciting. Pretty much. Um, that Taylor Swift album is still really good. Oh, I, I love it. Um. So, yeah, no, so I watched some films. I started with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ooh. which is still a brilliant movie. It's Indiana Jones so is the good. best. Yep, so not, not too much to say about that other than that it's still brilliant. I'm sure most people have seen it. Then I watched a movie on Shudder, which I keep bringing up. It's the horror streaming service that I use that you probably will never have, but it's good. It's a Shudder original called Host. Ah, okay. Um, and it's interesting, actually. It's, it's in the genre that is currently being called screen life, I think, or mm. computer screen movies, where the whole film is told through, uh, through a computer screen, often like a Skype call, mm. for example. Okay. Uh, so... A really good example of those is there's a film called Searching, which stars John Cho, who is an actor who is was in the American Pie films back in the day. But he's really, really good in this movie. He's like a man searching for his missing daughter, mm. and it's all told through his uh, internet searches and stuff like that. Really good movie. But Host was interesting because it's only 56 minutes long, and the reason it's only 56 minutes long is because it's all within a Zoom call mm. on a free Zoom account. So when that trial, when that period of the call ends that's when the movie cuts out if you see what i mean wow yeah it's quite an interesting cool. idea it's about a group of it's a british film about a group of friends who have a zoom call together uh to do a seance and they get a medium to come on and do a seance mm. with them over zoom and then uh creepy things start happening and it's the the characters in it are incredibly irritating annoying but it makes it all the better when kind of horrible things start happening to them so <laughs> okay if uh, <laughs> if you have 56 minutes to spare 
uh, give Host a go. It's quite a good kind of roller coaster of a horror film. Enjoyed it. Then I watched a film called Dark Waters. Have you heard of that movie? It came out last year. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's a Mark Ruffalo. I've seen it described on I think Wikipedia as a legal thriller. He plays in. It's a real true mm. story of a Same. lawyer who uh, did a twenty-year case. Took twenty years to take the Dupont chemical mm. uh, company to to trial for it poisoning the environment and stuff. And it's almost like a horror film at times because you know that everything that's going on in the film is real. Mm. It's just horrifying these things he discovers and finds out that these chemical companies are doing to the environment and to the world. Mm. Um, and then, it, like with a lot of true story movies, it ends with a few kind of pages of screens of text explaining what has happened since and stuff like that, and mm. giving you a bit of background. And it's just, it just there's a, there's a, there's at least one of those screens where you read what it says and you're just like, oh my good god! So <laughs> it's affected everyone essentially. Mm. It's, it's it's awful. Really important film to watch. I think I mm. uh, would really recommend it. Watched that on my birthday. That was a fun, <laughs> that was a fun watch on my birthday. Then I watched a movie that will be discussed later. At, but then I watched a, a John Carpenter film that I've never seen before, which is always exciting because he is one of my favourite directors, and it was called The Fog. Oh, Have you seen The Fog, Alex? No, I've seen The Mist, but I haven't seen The Fog. No, it's not The Mist. <laughs> the Fog is earlier. The Fog was, is from 1980. It's ah. uh, the film John Carpenter made after Halloween, hmm. and it's a really low-stakes, low-key little spooky horror film. Um about a, a town in, uh, I think it's northeast America, kind of New England area on the coast that um, is celebrating its 100th anniversary and a spooky fog rolls in and there's ghost pirates in the fog and they attack people. And that's pretty much it. That's kind of the film. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. She's really good in it. There's a few other actors. Adrienne Barbeau is really good in it. Um, Tom Atkins is an actor that pops up in a lot of 80s horror movies being pretty rubbish and he's not great in it, but he's in it. <laughs> Um. So yeah, it's worth it's worth a watch. It feels like I kind of it's kind of impressive how confident he is in making a movie that's kind of small. It, not a lot. There's not a lot to happen in it. Apparently, when they first finished it and put, put it all together, it was eighty minutes long, and they were like, "Well, this isn't long enough for a film," and they had to go back and <laughs> film some more kind of action scenes to pad it out a bit, which is so unusual for a movie. It's normally the other way around. Yeah. But it's kind of really works in that way. It's just a nice quick 90 minutes, some spooky stuff happens and then it's over. And yeah, I really liked it. It's got an amazing soundtrack, like with most almost all of his movies, John Carpenter did, 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 uh, recorded the score for it. And yeah, if you haven't seen The Fog, it's well worth checking out. Even you could, I think you'd probably enjoy it, Alex, because it's not, you know, it's not a big scare film. It's just, an, it's just like a fun, spooky story. It's like a, it's like a kind of, um, uh, there's a series of movies called Creep Show, which are like, trying to be sort of comic book horror story, mm. how little short stories told. So it's like, it'll tell you three stories over the course of a film. There's two of them there from the eighties as well. The fog feels like one of those stories kind of stretched out to a, to 90 minutes. It's, it's cool. It's good. And then I did my homework and that's all the films I watched. But before we move on to homework, I just want to talk about something else. Cause I've been doing a little bit of reading recently. Ah, me too. Oh, exciting. Have you read anything good? Yeah, I'm reading um, a book by uh, Akala. He's uh, an English uh, rapper, hip-hop artist. Um, yeah, and the book is called Natives, Race and Class in the Ruins of an Empire. Um, so uh, since, uh, not on recent events, but more uh, events in the media, I wanted to uh, learn a little bit more about 
um, you know, uh, race struggle and culture and everything. Not no, not 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 knowing that racism exists, but kind of uh, wanting to know more. It's about a little bit uh, a memoir, his experience as uh, a half Jamaican, half Scottish uh, boy uh, growing up in London and um, how England, because England is so multicultural, how England perceives themselves, English people and England, the UK, perceives themselves as non-racist. So um, that, and I thought I want to start to kind of like, I knowing is a good thing, but I want to educate myself further. So there's things that mm. I didn't know, the parts of history that I, I hadn't learned. And it's a really, really good book, actually. And um, there's lots of um, historical references. And he's an incredible writer. And um, I have not heard of that book. I should look it up. I want to read a book, um, only because I keep seeing people talk about it. Have you heard of Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race? Ah, yeah, that's that's my next book. I put it on my... Is it? Yeah. 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 That's on my list as well. Yeah. I can't say anything about it. No, so I don't know why I brought it up, but uh, no, but it's yeah, good. You know, we can we, maybe we can read it at the same time. We can discuss it. Yeah, definitely. But that's not what I've been reading this week. This week I've been reading. Well, I got a couple of books for my birthday because it was my birthday. Happy birthday, so, G! Th- thank you. You're welcome. So for my for, my, for our weekly Hamilton check-in, oh. I got the Hamilton. <laughs> I got the Hamilton book. Uh, it's called Hamilton: The Revolution. Um, Have we gone <clears> one week without talking about Hamilton? Maybe for week one. Maybe the maybe the f- week one. Yeah. Uh, it's a great, it's a great book. It's a big hardback book, and it's got, um, I think, maybe to imitate books from the seventeen hundreds, the edges of the paper have been sort of torn mm. instead of cleanly cut. So it's got a, it. It looks really nice on the shelf, which is obviously really important. Um, and it's got really these huge full color, full of color photographs in it, and it alternates between chapters telling the story of the production from when he first had the idea for it all the way up to when it premiered on Broadway. And then it also has every song with all the lyrics and annotations by Lin Manuel Miranda, and it's a really I've read I've read a couple of chapters of that, and it's really interesting. The guy who wrote the Hamilton biography that the that inspired the musical was way more involved in the production than I knew about, which is quite interesting mm. to read and stuff like that. Um, it's I got a good an- anecdote about him turning up to see rehearsals on day one, having no idea that black and Latino actors had been cast in all the roles and being really shocked for a moment, and then kind of really understanding and getting on board with kind of why that's being done and stuff, which is, yeah, it's a good book. I've also been reading the first collected uh, omnibus of the Walking Dead comics because I've been watching the TV show recently. I'm up to season four of the TV show. So it's been quite interesting to see the origins of that, especially because for so long, having spent 10 years not watching the TV show or reading the comics, having spent so long hearing about how the comics are amazing Mm. and the TV show doesn't, do them justice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I read about two hundred. I don't. I don't know exactly how many. Mm. I'm up to the farm anyway in the comic books. <gasps> it's how far I've gotten up to. How is it? And I like it. Yeah. But I definitely prefer the TV show by uh, quite a way. Okay. I'm kind of shocked by how poor some of the writing is in the comic. <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot of the characters just sort of describe exactly like a lot of conversations between two characters are, mm. are just them sort of it's like whatever's in their head they're just talking it out loud everything is just there on the page it's very kind of upfront which makes sense for a comic book mm. 
but it would not work for a TV show. Like I can totally understand why they made so many changes for the TV show. Um, mm. In my opinion, like there's a lot of, like for example, some s- small spoilers for season two of The Walking Dead coming up here. In the TV show, they get to this farm, mm. and Rick suggests to Herschel, the owner of the farm, that they camp out near the near the barn, so they're not near the house, and they're not in the way. And Herschel goes, "Oh no, don't do that. Stay near the house. You want to be near the house." Mm. And then. A few episodes later, one of the characters finds out that the, the barn is full of zombies. And then an episode or two later, everyone finds out. And then after that, it's slowly revealed why the barn is full of zombies. Mm. And it kind of builds up and, and reveals itself. Mm. In the comic book, they get to the farm. Rick says, why don't we stay near the barn? And Herschel says, don't do that. The barn's full of zombies and here's why. And it's just like, yeah. com- immediately tells you everything. And it, which is fine, but the se- the, the TV show kind of wouldn't work as well in my opinion if it was doing that if it it was just sort of directly well it would and it would be one season long rather than 65 but that's not that's not how serialized tv works that's why it's a different format and they've changed it in a smart way in my opinion um yeah and just other things like there's a lot of i don't know i don't know i like the comic book i'm enjoying seeing the origins of the tv show but i really really like the tv show at least the first four seasons Mm. so i'm kind of seeing the best i'm kind of seeing what's good about both formats at the moment of the, uh, of yeah. the Walking Dead. Uh, the artwork is beautiful. Mm, the artwork is really, good, really yeah. nice in, in the comic. Mm. And um, it's interesting to see which characters are dropped, which characters they kept and changed and stuff. Mm. Daryl, for example, isn't in the comic at all. He's such a big character mm. in the TV show. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been quite good. And and then I read a horror manga called Uzumaki. Have you heard of Uzumaki? No. No, it's by Junji Ito, a really uh, famous Japanese horror manga author. Mm. And it's really, really unpleasant and creepy and fantastic. <laughs> and um, it, despite being a comic book, managed to really, really unsettle me. And I read it I read it before bed one night and then really struggled getting to sleep with how creepy it is. It's set in this town where it gets cursed by spirals the idea of spirals and different characters become obsessed by spirals so the first story ends with the dad of a character buying this big wooden tub and then forcing his body into the shape of a spiral and squeezing himself into this tub and there's this illustration on the page of this man kind of wrapped around himself uh, and it's horrible and it's and and that's like chapter one (laughs) that's where it starts and it gets worse from there progressively worse from there and it's quite you can see how the author must have had a lot of fun thinking about spirals and where spirals mm. come into nature and come into the world because there's there's like episodes about people's hair and there's not episodes sorry because it was originally published as like a series of comics it has this story that starts at the beginning and kind of goes through the whole thing but each episode you can also tell is kind of a con- its own little short story so one's about people's hair there's one about snails because obviously there's a snail shell is a spiral. Mm. Uh, all sorts of weird little things kind of come into play. Uh, and it's it's really unsettling and creepy and horrible. And I definitely want to read some more of his work. So anyone interested in horror that might not have necessarily come across Junji Ito before. Uh, I'm sure loads of people have. I'm, I'm sure I'm the last person at the table. But <laughs> maybe not. if anyone hasn't, I would recommend checking out Junji Ito. You can get the, the hardback. Collect- it's a really nice collected hardback edition of, of uh, the whole series on Amazon for like 13 quid. Or you could probably go to uh, a more... A, a better place to buy, buy yeah. books from and get your local books. bookshop. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much all the catching up. Good, good, though. 
Cool. Should we move on to homework? Yeah. Homework cool. time. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now. Shall I s- you start? Yeah, I can start. Yeah, go on. So I had to watch uh, one cut of the dead, uh, which is a Japanese film about a zombie movie. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way of describing it. Yeah. That works for me. Um, so uh, I found the film completely unexpected. Yes, right? So unexpected. <laughs> so first of all, I was trying to, I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Really? And I thought, oh goodness! And then you told me to go on Shudder, so I went on Shudder, and but Shudder is only on Amazon.co.uk, oh, so which nice. I did it, and I, I did my free trial, but none of the the titles were available in my country, so. <sighs> And so trying to find this film, I thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't watch it because, you know, it's a sign. But um, then I started watching it and I was very annoyed that it took me about an hour to try and find this film, thinking that I had it (laughs) because I was ready. Uh, And so I started, I was like, oh, I have to watch this film now. Um, And it starts really, really slow. And I thought, what is George on about? What is, what is, I told you to stick with it half an hour. And I was hour, just like, I? what is George on about? And then it's just, I don't want to talk too much about it because I think, like I always say, I think some some films, the more you talk about it, the more you spoil them. But yeah, it's so unexpected. True. So the beginning is so slow and so, uh, and then suddenly things change and it becomes quicker, more exciting and funnier. It's just, it's just so clever. Yeah. It's so clever because it, it just, it couldn't have started any slower. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then, and um, and quite boring. So it was slow and boring. And then, then it got a bit exciting and then a bit more. And then suddenly it was just like, it, it was like a climax. And then by the end, it was just hilarious, clever uh surprising it was so so good yeah I... and it's amazing how the ending the ending uh involves people trying to do something that is such a simple un- unimportant thing yeah. yet the movie manages to turn it into the most important thing that if it didn't happen would ruin everything oh it was so and then when it's yeah it was so good <laughs> and it's just oh and the the the, the little scenes where things are not supposed to happen that way but happen another way and and yeah. then you and then you go back to the first half hour it's like oh that's what happened it's yeah. just so good and like that start has to be so kind of rubbishy yeah for the second part or the third part even to work as well as yeah. it does and the way the second part which is so different to the first and the yeah. third part because it's split into three parts yeah really, the way that second part perfectly kind of contextualizes yeah. everything and sets everything up for what you see in the third part is it's just wonderful it's so clever it's but so it isn't is it isn't obsessed with being clever no. it's ha- it, it doesn't feel pleased with itself no. it's just it's just they've had the idea and they're just pulling it off perfectly but it's just so so good and the cast is pretty like not known people in Japan oh yeah but they're so good the 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 mm-hmm. acting is brilliant 
because you see one set of people in the first part, one set of people in the second part, and a completely different set of people in the third part. And yep. you see, oh, it's it's so good. It's, and yep. you see the reaction of the director in the first scene, and then you understand why he does it that way in uh, the when third he screams, part. When, when he, he screams, screams at, at the, the guy. guy. Oh, and he screams so, at the guy. so good. <laughs> it's so good. And everything is... And, you know, I, I said a couple of weeks ago about Knives Out, which I, I like to know everything goes on. And that just satisfied everything for me. <laughs> I knew everything. I saw anything that went. And then the last scene, the last part when the credits are, then they show how they made all the things. Oh, yep. it was beautiful. It was absolutely yep. beautiful. And I can't believe it took me so long to watch it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> Joey. Um, I told you. I told everyone that it was worth watching. Yeah, no one believed me. But oh, I just, I just, I just loved how the characters changed and the acting was so good that you, you just so, so dynamic. Everything was really dynamic and it worked really, really well. And uh, it, it's something that I've never seen before. Yeah. Which... Especially the director and the daughter. Yeah, I think those two actors yeah. are spectacular. And the wife. The wife as well. The, the wife, wife that st- starts in one way and it's like, oh, God, she's going to be the first one to die. <laughs> and then she turns and you're like, what? Oh, no, it's it's really, yeah. really good. Uh, I'm... And my, bro- my brother and I keep going, pump! <laughs> Since we watched that together. Oh, pump! It, oh. And when, it com- when the director keeps coming out, what does he say? Action! <laughs> <laughs> you don't see the director for ages and then he keeps coming out like action action I love it I wish it. that it was um, I wish it was called Don't Stop the Camera in English I feel like more people might have watched it if it had a title like yeah, that. yeah it's almost a more generic title but it <sighs> yeah but, that, but that's part of the film isn't it Don't Stop the Camera yeah. and uh, no I thought I thought it was brilliant and something that I've never, I haven't seen anything like that before. And it was really, it's it's quite rare to find a totally original idea. And I'm sure somebody somewhere could name something that did a similar thing first, but to me, it felt like a completely unique and original um, idea for a film. Definitely. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, after 10 minutes, I thought, what, what's going on? No, I thought it would get better. But I didn't yeah. imagine it to be that way. And I thought it was strange when there was always a camera going on. I thought, why is this mm. guy not doing anything? <laughs> why is this guy... Like, this girl is getting... Something is happening to this girl. And he's just standing there. And I thought, oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I guess that's, that's going to be explained later. But what happened was not I expected at all. One of my favourite things, talking about the camera, one of my favourite moments in the movie is finding out why the camera style changes a little bit. Um, part way through the film as well. Yeah, if you remember that. Yeah, starts zooming in and out a lot and stuff. (laughs) Yes, and she keeps falling. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so silly as well. It's really silly, but really, really good. And it's 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 really good. I'm so happy I've seen it. Um, it's really really good. Thank you, G. No, you're welcome. I knew, I kind of, I kind of, I really, that's why I chose that one for you to watch, because I really, I knew there was no chance you wouldn't like it if you if you sat through it. Yeah. But the fact it's been labelled as a horror film means that so many people kind of like you won't watch it who would love it. So, yeah, no, I'm glad. Yeah. 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 Hmm. 
Okay, so uh, let's move on to mine. I had to watch uh, The Lives of Others. Yes. It's a German movie from 2006. It won the Best International, or I think at that time it was called Best Foreign Language Film yeah. Oscar uh, in 2000. And I suppose it would have been in 2007 that it won. It was directed by Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. <laughs> yeah. Or to give him his full title, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> Florian Maria Mungo George Christian Graf Henkel von Donnersmark. No. Which is quite... <laughs> yeah, apparently that's his full name. I think he comes from German aristocracy originally. Um, wow. Well, obviously, he went to Oxford. He's one of the hundred <laughs> most... I was reading his Wikipedia page. He's one of the hundred most important graduates of Oxford University and has an, a street named after him in Oxford as a result, which is quite Im- impressive. Well, with his but entire his... name? No, just I think it's just called Donnersmark <laughs> Street or Donnersmark Place or something, um, which is impressive for a man who has only written and directed three films, mm. one of which is, is apparently terrible, but that is not the lives of others. No, <laughs> please, please don't say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I watched Lives of Others this morning, actually. This morning? You left it that late? I know, sorry, I left it that late to watch it. Um, because because we've been, my family, we've been watching The Walking Dead, so we end up watching The Walking Dead every day, so I kind of didn't find the time to watch it until this morning. But I'm glad I did, because it is a very good film, for sure. Uh, it's It's definitely got that thing I like where... It could end about an hour and 40 minutes in. There's mm. a point where that could be the end of the film and it would be a perfectly acceptable place to end a movie. Yeah. But it carries on for about another half an hour. Mm. And it's that half an hour that made it a film I really liked, almost loved, rather than a film that I thought was just okay, mm. if you see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the way it kind of is happy to tell the main story but then explore what happens afterwards, how it affects the lives of its characters. Mm. And the ending, the, the the final kind of scene in the film is so good and kind of really is, is, is beautiful. And it's quite an interesting one. So it's about a guy who is a Stasi officer in yeah. in the GDR, I think the German Democratic Republic, mm. basically East, East Germany, mm. um, when Germany was split in two. Uh, the main chunk of the film is set in 1984, mm. uh, when the wall was still up. And he is uh, an officer in the Stasi tasked with bugging and spying on a playwright and his actor girlfriend. Yeah. But yeah, it leads up to kind of, you know, the story kind of reaches a point where the operation to spy on these two people ends. I won't say how the operation finishes, but that kind of happens. Mm. Then it sort of starts jumping forward through time to like when the wall falls Mm. and then after the wall has fallen... And I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea that like people who had been living in the GDR once the wall had fallen could go and had the right to kind of look up if they'd been spied on. Had the right to look up the files, mm, yeah, of and the logs of, mm. of of the people that had been spying on them. So this playwright kind of is able to go back and look through yeah. uh, these recordings mm. or the, the 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 reports of the recordings and stuff and find out information and to. That's true. That happened. That was Kate. I read that one of the actors in the movie uh, was an actor in East Germany during that time mm. and did the same thing and found out that a lot of his actor friends during the time were actually spying on him. Mm. 
And it must be crazy to have lived through that and then come out the other side of it and maybe suddenly realise that a lot of relationships in your life yeah. were false in a mm. way because people were one in fifty people were, were spies. Yeah. It's it's crazy. And because I think because the wall fell I think the year I think it fell in nineteen eighty nine yeah. and I was born in nineteen eighty eight. Mm. So it was such recent history that I was too young to see anything about it on the news when it happened. Mm. But it wasn't far enough in the past that they bothered teaching us about it in school. Yeah. So it's kind of that era of history that I know close to nothing about. So to get insight into it for this film mm. was really interesting. And the film's really good. The actors in it are incredible. Yeah. Uh, particularly the guy, um, the couple, the, the the man and the woman mm. in the couple are really good. The guy spying on them is oh, really good. Oh, incredible. Mm. And there's a, there's a kind of higher minister who mm. kind of oversees them. Not his boss, uh, who's quite good, but the, the kind of guy who tells them to spy on them this kind of quite unpleasant looking man he's he's really horrible in it and he's mm. quite effectively unpleasant yeah uh and there's a scene right near the end between him and the playwright which is really uh powerful mm. so yeah no i i'm glad i watched it for me and it's stupid to compare them the only reason to compare them is because of the oscars but for me i still prefer pan's labyrinth it's mm. but that's just because it's my kind of film um, more so slightly than the lives of others, wow. but I'm glad I finally watched it, and I think I I just love the way that it continues after the story mm. is finished, and it it carries on a bit longer. Yeah, I really like films that have the kind of confidence to do that. So, no, I'm glad you watched it because I think I think it's a it's a it's a good t- thing to watch if you <laughs> to learn a little bit more about the time as well, and you know the mm. spying and not you couldn't really trust anyone, you couldn't really talk to anyone, you always had to be in in high alert um on high alert not in <laughs> in high alert <laughs> i mean high alert um on high alert with anyone um and it wasn't it wasn't a good time to live no and, can... and they think they they think they're free they talk about how they're free yeah. and how socialism is brilliant yeah. but they're they're so far from yeah. free that all everyone in the film you can tell is terrified yeah even even the people who work for the stasi and the stasi officers themselves are completely terrified yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a really good scene quite early on in a canteen where um, a lower down uh, person doesn't realise he's sat next to an officer and tells a joke. Mm. And the officer says, what's your name? What's your rank? I'm gonna, you're going to be in so much trouble for this. And then reveals he was joking. But Yeah, it, it's terrifying, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's ter- the, yeah, you can see the fear on this yeah. officer's face. And then later on in the movie, that same character pops up in a clearly demoted job. So was, he, was it a... Uh, exactly know, yeah. Did what, get them yeah 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 what really happened there it's yeah. it's, it's quite clever and yeah, and, yeah horrible mm. but fascinating yeah yeah good well i'm glad you enjoyed it good thank you i'm glad i enjoyed it dun 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 <laughs> homework time finished homework time is done yeah time to do top fives baby five four three two one our top five so, top five time. Two good friends just made a top five. Two, Two good, good friends, friends just made, made a top, top five. five. Good stuff. Top five <laughs> animated English language films. Good stuff. That's what we're looking at today. And you're going to start us off with your number five, Alex. My number five uh, animated film in the English language, um, is a film which is not the greatest film on earth, but I, it's really close to my heart. And the film is called All Dogs Go to Heaven. Okay. Have you seen it? 
Yes, but not for probably 20 years. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, so it's about the main character, Charlie, who's a dog. Um, and uh, he has to perform a good deed uh, before being let into uh, heaven. And the, the film is that his attempts to save uh, this um, orphan, this girl orphan, and uh, against his enemies. So that's pretty much it. And he has to make a good deed to enter heaven because all dogs go to heaven because all dogs are nice and loyal and lovely. Uh, so it's not the best animated film. It's, uh, it's a little bit dark. There's a lot of like drinking and smoking and um Well, that's interesting. Gambling. So, do you know who directed it? Don Bluth. And he did uh, things like, he did films like An American Tale. Yes. And uh, The Land Before Time. Yes. Yeah. And he was a bit known, I think, at the time for being kind of the anti-Disney almost. His movies yeah. were a bit darker, a bit more adult. Yeah. They were still for children, but they just had a bit more grit to them than a, than your average Disney film. I really like his movies, actually. Yeah. So I'm glad you picked, because I, I haven't got a Don Bluth movie on my top five. I'd sort of forgotten about him a bit. So I'm glad that you've brought him up and brought up one of his films. Yeah, well, because I... I for me it was a toss between uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven and An American Tale, mm-hmm. but um, I I watched more uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven and uh, An American Tale used to terrify me. Uh, there were moments where, especially when Feeble gets lost, I'm like, oh! <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this this is quite similar in the darkness and everything. But I remember. The first time I watched it, it was, um, I was coming to England on the ferry. Mm -hmm. So I was doing Mm -hmm. Calais Dover. And at the time in, I don't remember, 1980, whatever, uh, (laughs) the cinema on the ferry was free. And so the cross is about two hours. And I watched this film and I loved it. And I'll always remember that moment. And I watched it again and Although it's not great, I have fond memories of it, and I think it's uh, uh, it's really good and uh, different from Disney. I find his films yeah. more like human darkness. That... Yeah, I mean, right in the title of the movie, you know, a dog's gonna die. So yeah, straight away, and also there's hell. Dark. They showed pictures of hell. There's a scene in hell. It's yeah. it's pretty dark, but yeah, yeah, and oh. What reading about the film, there's also like some weird bad trivia about it. Okay. Which is the um, the voice of the orphan girl, which is Anne Marie, is mm-hmm. voiced by uh, Judith Barcy, which okay. was an American child actress. Yeah. And but this was her last film because no, no. well, her father was really abusive, and her father killed her and his her mother. And himself in 1988. Oh. oh, I think I have read about this before, actually. Yeah, that's awful. That's insane. I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that until today. Yeah, that's a really horrible thing. Yeah, and she voiced, She was in um, A Land Before Time and in, um, in this one. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you... <laughs> what? No, it's just it's interesting that you just brought up the line before time because that's my favourite of his films. But obviously, you've not brought it up in the <laughs> in the like pleasantest way. If you see what I I'm mean, sorry. Not that it's a no, it's fine. It's just funny <laughs> that that's how it's come up. I'm um, sorry. Oh, oops. I love the line before time. Yeah. That should really, in a way, that should be in my top five, but it's not. But I, 
I really love that movie. I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid. Oh. Repeatedly. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and she voiced Ducky. Oh. Mm. Yeah. That's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, it's really it's really intense that that happened. Yeah. It's quite hot. There's sort of a, like, um, I think the girl from Poltergeist died. She wasn't murdered, but she died really young. Mm. Um, and actually the older sister in Pol- Why I don't know why I'm suddenly talking about Poltergeist. The older sister in Poltergeist was murdered uh, just before the film came out as well. It's quite unpleasant sometimes when you find out stuff like that. Yeah. Because, you know, she was born in 1978, so you assume she'll still be alive and, you know, done a yeah. lot of voiceovers uh, since... You know, she started a pretty good career with like decent cartoons. It's just crazy. And that's my number five. I like it. It's a good choice. Thank you. You're very welcome. What's, <laughs> what's your number five? <laughs> my number five. It's interesting. I think more so than the other lists we've done, this list, uh, clearly for you and for me as well, is quite nostalgic in especially yeah. in the lower spots in like the number five place and stuff definitely um because you know not all animated f- films are for children but lots of animated film lots of children's films are animated shall we say and um yeah so you end up seeing a lot of those when you're a kid and they really stick with you so my number five choice is 1995's um it might have even been directed video i don't remember a goofy movie <laughs> Have you seen a Goofy movie, Alex? I'm not sure. Um, I'll have to check. A Goofy movie is a movie that I had on VHS tape when I was a kid and watched again and again and again and again. And it's about Goofy, the the lovable dog. Yeah. uh, And his son, Max, Goof. And it it his son Max is uh, a, a student in high school. The summer holidays are about to start. Max is in love with a girl because he's a teenager and all he wants to do with his summer holiday is spend time with her and he gets the impression that she likes him and then Goofy, who decides he's not connecting with his son enough because Goofy's a single dad um, yeah. and so his son's kind of the, the one thing in his life. Goofy decides that they're going to go on a father-son bonding camping trip and chaos ensues and Max tells this girl that the reason he can't go to her party is because he's going to go to a big concert and be on TV and he tries to sabotage the trip so they can end up in this in this concert. And I hadn't watched it in a very, very long time until Disney Plus came out. And I was like, oh, Goofy movies on Disney Plus. <laughs> so I watched it and it was, I had forgotten, I had completely forgotten that it's a musical. It's got songs in it. And one song in particular, when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, I love this song. <laughs> it's a bad song. But I was astonished at how I'd forgotten this song that was, I seemed... Felt like I remembered. It was this thing where watching it again, I was like, I remembered every single scene and every single moment. I was like, oh my god, it's that moment and it's that character and ah, and it's not a very good film. But I found out through through rewatching it recently, looking it up, that it had a it had like a a fan convention a few years ago. Like there's a real kind of core group of people, probably a similar age to me, that have a lot of nostalgia for a goofy movie and really remember it fondly. But critically, it is not a very well recorded film. <laughs> Um, but I quite I like it. It's got good songs. It's it's funny. It's it's an interesting film. It's incredibly. It's a real time capsule of the nineties. I would say, which is no bad thing. No. So so yeah. I don't know how much more there is to say about a goofy movie, but but there it is. It's seventy eight minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Barely a film. 
and uh, it's got a song in it that's so good. I think it's called Stand Out. Yeah, Stand Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keep good. going. Good. Oh, it's so good. Nice. After Today is a good song. Yeah, no, it's a good film. Good film. All right, so that's my number five, a goofy movie. What is your number five? Uh, my number five is a film uh, that came out in 1997. It's a Disney film, which is part, or something I didn't know about, of the Disney Renaissance. Oh, of course. Um, <clears throat> and the film is called Hercules. Oh, hello, Hercules. Yes. Uh, so it uh, follows the story of Hercules that is stolen uh, from Olympus by Hades' uh, minions and uh, and is forced to live um, with humans. Uh, but he feels like an outcast because he's uh, extra strong and people think he's weird. And then it's just his adventures back into uh, Olympus and to become a god again. Yeah. It's not necessarily uh, true to the story uh, of Hercules. No, it's uh, not. But, <laughs> but I think it's also a really good satire of, yeah. you know, it's not true to, to the story, but it's a really good satire of like 90s celebrity culture. Yeah, definitely. You know, when kind of celebrity culture got out of control a little bit and Hercules came along at just the right time to really sort of, yes. if for a kid's film, skewer oh. it in quite a harsh way. It was it because um, I was about uh, maybe thirteen when it came out, and yeah. it was kind of my transition movie from uh, what well, Disney film from like kind of the kiddie ones to a little yeah. bit more adults and understanding certain jokes that maybe I, I wouldn't have understood when I was uh, younger. And yeah. then uh, you know uh, some references from other films, like so. There's a training moment where mm. they <clears throat> recreate the scene in Karate Kid. Where yeah. they with the with the swan kick and s- certain things like that made me really like oh my god I know this I'm I'm with the adults yeah. um, and the music is really good I've always I think it, with Disney films for a, the longest time I thought that was the best music I thought it was really really good yeah uh, and uh, I. I also I really loved um, Greek and th- uh, mythology, and although yep. it doesn't really follow it, I I like that. I I, I like the but it uses it idea. as a good setting yeah. and kind of you know yeah. pulls it all in. And so it would have been good if in Hercules there was a scene where Zeus turned into swan and into a swan and swept, slept with a uh, human woman. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really good for children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but no, I I really liked it. I I thought. Um, even the the drawings, the graphics, I thought it was really, really good. It's a, it was a little bit different. And yeah, yeah, definitely. I, it mixes the Disney style with the genuine sort of Greek architecture style and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I've got a I've got a tiny bit of interesting trivia for you about Hercules, if you'd like to hear it. Go. So it was made by uh, director producer pair Ron Clements and John Musker, mm. who had made. The Little Mermaid and Aladdin previously, so they were yes. kind of big hit makers for yeah. Disney. Yeah. But there was one project in particular that they kept desperately trying to pitch to Disney and it kept getting rejected. And eventually Disney said, right, you can make your dream project if you'll make Hercules first. I think this is the story. So yeah. they basically, they only agreed to do Hercules because yeah. it would allow them to do this other film they wanted to make yeah. that they thought would be the kind of ultimate really good film. And obviously me and you really like Hercules and it's pretty well regarded as yeah. a bit of a classic. Do you know what the film is that they were kind of dreaming of making and finally got to make? What? Treasure Planet. What film is that? 
It's exactly. It's, a, <laughs> it's not from the Disney Renaissance. It's from the period that came directly after Disney Renaissance, where we got films like Brother Bear, Home on the Range, Chicken Little, and Treasure Planet. Oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> it's was not it a very hit? Well remembered. No, it wasn't a hit. <laughs> not uh, at all. I think it came out around the same time as Titan AE. Do you remember that film? No. No, that's a forgotten CGI no. mess of a film as well. Um, anyway, yeah, I just think that's really interesting that they kind of made Hercules just so they could make this other film. And, and then uh, Hercules was by far the superior movie. Yeah, and The Little Mermaid was my <clears> favourite <throat> until probably a Hercules, but at that time yeah. then I was too old. Aladdin was my favourite for a while. I found it really dark. I know that my fifth was All Dogs Go to Heaven, (laughs) but I found it really, really dark towards the end. And I I could never watch the end, a bit like Fantasia. The end of Fantasia was just crazy. Chernobog at the end. Oh, terrible. Um, But yeah, so Little Mermaid and this. This and this. Very Mm. good. That's a good choice. I like Hercules. I like it. Well done. Yeah, okay. and I started listening to the soundtrack today. It's banging. <laughs> can I say that word? Yes, Am I too yeah, old? Yeah, you can. No, it's fine. Am I too old? It. No one can stop you. You've said it now, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, right, my number four choice is a stop-motion film. Mm-hmm. It is a Roald Dahl adaptation. Ooh! Yeah. It is from the year, let me get this right, it is from the year 1996. Yes. Directed by Henry Selick, and it is James and the Giant Peach. Peach. I've never seen a film. You've never seen James and the Giant Peach? No, no. Ooh. Tell me about it. Well, I used to devour Roald Dahl books when I was a kid. same. I really, really love James and Giant mm. Peach. So when the adaptation of that one came out, I remember seeing it and loving it. And it's really dark. like, And it should be, because it's a Roald Dahl adaptation. His books were dark. Mm. Um, you know, they were for children, but they were not easy watches. And so it was directed by Henry Selick, who did the Nightmare Before Christmas film. So a perfect project for mm. him, really, because he's quite adept at doing quite dark stories for young people. And it really, really works. There's a scene early on where it talks about James's, and this is from the book as well. James lives with his two horrible aunts, I think they are. Mm. And the reason is because his parents were killed by a, a rhino, mm. and that's obviously quite a that's quite a dark thing. But yeah. it's quite to to kind of show that in a movie because especially that portion of the film is largely live action mm. before it translates transitions into stop motion animation. And it would be quite odd to show a rhino murdering two people. So they do it instead by showing this huge cloud coming over the horizon in the shape of a rhinoceros. And it's absolutely wow. terrifying for a child. <laughs> um, and, and just perfect. And then um, uh, Joanna Lumley and Miriam Margulies play his aunts in the live action bit at the start. And they are terrifying mm. and horrible. And then once the peach arrives and he kind of gets into the peach and goes on a journey in this peach across the sea, it transitions into stop motion animation and he befriends all these insects who are, which are beautifully mm. animated and really well voiced by people like Simon Callow and Richard Dreyfus and Susan Sarand and David Thewlis. And it's just a really funny, weird, dark movie. It adds a lot to Old Old Story. There's, a, there's like a sequence uh, where they're in the ice with, I think, ghost pirates, if mm. I remember rightly, that's not... I don't think that's in the book. 
Um, but it all works and it's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, but most of all, the stop motion animation that drives the whole thing is absolutely mm. brilliant. And it's kind of, it's not quite as fondly remembered, obviously, as Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. But if you're going to pick one of Henry Selleck's films, because he's done Coraline as well. Oh, I love uh, Coraline. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but for me, James and the Giant Peach is the top one. Uh, mm. And some of the sequences where they're eating the peach in stop motion animation and kind of squishing it up mm. and stuff make it look like the most delicious fruit that's ever existed. It's amazing. Mm. And it's got a really heartfelt, beautiful ending. And it's just got that, yeah, it's got that great mix of sweetness and darkness that Roald Dahl does best. Mm. So, so yeah, James and the Giant Peach. And you've never seen it. Mm. No, never seen it. No. No. No, no I, I should, yeah. Might be my homework. You never know. Probably not. No. But we'll see. Aha. Uh, okay. Um, so what's your number three? My number three is um, a film uh, made in 2000 uh, by British studio Armand Animation. And it's Chicken Run. Chicken Run? Chicken Run. Yeah, Chicken Run. So Chicken Run is uh, <coughs> a story about chickens. <laughs> Yep. Who try? Uh, who want to escape um, this farm uh, that uh, they will start? Uh, well, the farm is going to start turning the chickens into what well, they've been trying to escape for a while. But then they they find out that the farm is going to make the chickens into pie, a mm-hmm. chicken pie, and so they really need to escape. And it's like a, a great escape meets chickens and. Uh, <laughs> That's all we need to say. <laughs> the Great Escape meets chickens. Um, I really like it just because I, um, with Ardman, I missed the Wallace and Gromit part completely. And um, and although I watched it in recent years, before before this, I hadn't really watched any Ardman anima- animation. My, my association with Ardman was Morph. Just because yeah. um, my family wanted me to learn English, so I watched things like that. I know Morph didn't speak, but the program he was in spoke. They spoke in the program yes. he was in, which I think was Art yeah. Attack or something. Was it Art Attack? Uh, I think he was on Art Attack. Yeah, something like that. Attack. But and there was something else. He's been in. He's popped up all over the place over the years. Yeah, I used to really like Morph. Yeah, and I loved yeah. it. And then so that this was my first kind of experience with Ardman, and I thought it was uh, interesting and funny and completely different and um just so then i realized so admin you know so many little easter eggs in the in the film and how mm-hmm. everything is made it's just it's just a beautiful film and i really really liked it and i just every time i think of chicken run and every time i watch it, i really really enjoy it yeah, so, and also kind of shows like, you know, women power, Rocky is a bit of a loser, which is the, the rooster, yeah. and yep. uh, it's it's good, it's funny, and uh, it, yeah. No, it, it was nearly on my list, I, I haven't got an Ardman movie on my list, um, but Chicken Run did almost make it, Yeah, I do really like it. I saw it when it came out in the cinema, and it's, it's, it's so great. So good, yeah. Yeah. And um, it really appeals to, and something that they do really well for Wallace and Gromit as well, 
Mm. It's like machines and, and showing machines yeah. being animated is something I always really enjoyed. Because when yeah. I was a kid, I used to really love taking things apart and putting them back together again. Yeah. And even though it's got a horrific purpose, the scenes inside the pie-making yeah. machine where you're seeing it all working yeah. and coming together and yeah. all the pistons moving around, I really, really enjoyed that stuff when yeah. I was a kid. Uh, and it's a great kind of little Indiana Jones uh, mm. play as well, which is which is cool. So, yeah, no, that's a good choice, Chicken Run. I yeah, like it. I love Chicken Run, but... <laughs> So good. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed that about like the pie thing, the pie making. You know, just to get the chicken and put it in the pie and that's the pie the chicken pie thing. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting. And it squirts gravy all over it and then smashes the lid down. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah and in a way that's why also like when I watch Fantastic Mr. Fox, I always kind of think of chicken run. Mm. Just because of like similarities in the houses there are just can you can you picture this like the houses and the similarities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it kind so it's of kind of like little quaint British yeah, sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, which the I, ones I in really... plaster scene and one's in Well, they're both stop motion, aren't they? But yeah, one yeah, is slightly different. Yeah, but yeah. Chicken run. Number three. Chicken run, I like it. Okay. My number three is a film from nineteen ninety eight. It's also part of the Disney Renaissance. Oh yeah, but I saw it for the first time when Disney Plus came out. I'd never ever seen it until I watched it very recently. And, you know, Hercules might have been on my list, actually, if not for this film, which mm. I fell in love with the first time I watched it. Having not watched it for years, always assuming I'd find it quite dull. And it is a film called Mulan. Ooh, I love yeah. Mulan. Oh, do you? Yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, I. it's a crazy good film. Yeah, like, it's so good. I don't know quite why, maybe in the UK it never caught on in the way that other Disney films of that era did, like Lion King and, and mm. Aladdin and, and Hercules, but I never got around to watching it, but I absolutely love it. It's got some, there's a song in it, um, I think it's called We Are Men, <gasps> is, the, is the main song. Oh, that song is so good. One of my top Disney songs ever, mm. uh, probably my top Disney song. I really, really, really love it, um, but it's got other good songs in it as well. And just the story of this girl yeah. who, to save her father, steals his armor and goes off to fight in a war in China, um, pretending that she's a man, yeah, um, is so good and so powerful. Mm. And scenes at the end of all of China bowing down to this woman <sighs> who they realize has saved them is just uh, so brings good. it makes me cry when I watch it. It's just the best. It's quite you know obviously it's quite sim not simple but you know mm. it's quite. It's it's not that complex of a thing to be doing, but yeah. I just really like it. That it's showing a really powerful female character, and 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 it, it it's it it's ahead of its time, maybe a little bit in that way. Yeah, definitely. Eddie Eddie Murphy is fine as <laughs> the dragon. Yeah, I, I think his character is a little bit offensive to Chinese audiences, is what I've read, which is understandable. They're making a live action version yeah. of it, or they've made a live action version of it, which oh. because of the pandemic mm. is not going to come out in cinemas is instead going to come out on disney plus but you're going to have to pay like 30 dollars or 30 pounds to watch it yeah to rent it it's going to cost like no. 30 pounds i'll wait until it's well every time i see the trailer for the live action i cry yeah i think i think it looks really good and the, but they've taken out for example they've taken out mushu the dragon and Thank stuff God. like that They've also, which I think is a really another really interesting change, is they've taken out the love interest, or they've split the love interest up because in the in the original film, mm. um, you've got Captain Lee Shang is the captain of the squad that Mulan joins mm. and also ends up being the love interest, and I think quite astutely in a way, I read that they've 
they realised that it wasn't maybe appropriate to have the love interest be a character who's in a position of power over Mulan, mm. if that makes sense. So I think what I read for the live action film is they've changed it so that the there's a fellow soldier who ends up being her love interest and then there's a captain who trains her. So they've kind of split that character okay. into two for the live action movie, which mm. I think is for 2020 is quite a smart move. And yeah. I kind of like that they're willing to change elements mm. of the story to make it more appropriate to, to modern day. Mm. It's not a musical anymore. I'm really interested to see the live action one. I really, really am looking forward to it. Mm. I, I don't think I'm going to pay $30 to watch it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really excited. Apparently, Mulan 2 is terrible. So oh, I won't be watching that. When I was doing research for this... Yeah. Every Disney film has got a two, and I haven't seen any of the number twos because yeah, they all went straight num- to video. Yeah, because they're number two, really. But some of them, some of the no, some of them, like uh, Aladdin: The Return of Jafar, is kind of watchable. It's not brilliant, but it's kind of watchable. Like some of the number twos are fine, <laughs> but apparently Mulan, apparently Mulan two is the worst. It uh. is the most number two of all the number two. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah, maybe give that one a miss. But um, yeah, God, I was so stunned watching Mulan recently. I couldn't believe mm. how much I liked it. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I'm glad to hear that you like it as well. Yeah, um, it didn't. I I think here it was quite popular, but mainly for girls. Yeah. Um. So for boys, it was kind of the time. Well, at least at my age, the time they were kind of. Oh no, we don't watch Mulan. Um. Yeah. No. So... When I was growing up, it was very much like boys had Aladdin, The Lion yeah. King, and Hercules, and girls had yeah. Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Pocahontas, and Mulan. Yeah. Kind of like that's how it split. Yeah. But Mulan is suitable for it's got it's got action like boys would love Mulan. There's yeah. so much action in it. The scene on the on the snowy cliffside on the hill where they're fighting and she shoots the firework and it's got these huge. But who's the hero? Who's the hero, of... George? Well, well, boys can. I'm. Boys can still enjoy a woman being a hero. Well, crazy. now yes, but maybe a while ago, no. So <sighs> yes, yeah. But um, yeah, boys, boys and girls should enjoy whatever they want to mm. enjoy, and everyone else as well. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I. It, there was definitely a almost segregation of Disney movies when I was growing up. Where yeah. Boys didn't watch The Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast. And I've since watched them. And I don't like The Little Mermaid very much, but I do like Beauty and the Beast a whole hell of a lot. Oh, so good. And Mulan. Beauty and the Beast so, yeah. is so good. And yeah, the, the live-action Beauty and the Beast is amazing. Yeah, some people are sniffy about it. I think they did a great job. No. Some of those live-action ones, are like Lion, the Lion King live-action one is I haven't awful, watched that. But um, it's t- I really, really disliked it. But the live-action yeah. Beauty and the Beast movie yeah. is, is gorgeous. Oh, um, it's so good. And if... I, if Emma Watson hadn't been uh, Belle, maybe I, w- I would have waited a bit longer to watch it. But because I know Emma mm. Watson is amazing. Um, she's yeah. the absolute best and she's yeah. great in it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. What's your number two? What's your number two? My number two. Is it Mulan 2? It's Mulan 2. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, my number two is a 1973 film. Ooh. A Walt Disney film called Robin Hood. Wow. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it's Robin Hood. Uh, it's a story a story about Robin Hood. Uh, but it's um, Robin Hood is a fox. Um, all the animals are all the characters are uh, different animals. Um, it's just basically the story of Robin Hood. Uh, well, it's not the story of Robin Hood. It's something that he well, like a. 
a moment in Robin Hood. He yeah. steals from the um, rich to give to the poor. And um, Prince John is the ruler at the time. And Robin Hood at one point manages to uh, mock him. And so he wants Robin Hood to be caught and it triples the taxes and nobody can pay and it, everything falls into poverty. There's a scene that I'll always remember where because they can't pay taxes, um, uh, the the mouse family and the rabbit family gets arrested and they try to eat some food and there's no food. And it's just... It, it, it could be like a, a social commentary as well of... Uh, you know, taxes and England and whatever. Let's not go back there. Uh, but I, I really, really like it. <laughs> Sorry. You're drawing a line between the works of Ken Loach and Disney's Robin Hood. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, I can see, I can see any social commentary anywhere. It's interesting that you've picked it because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, um, it's not, it's not a super well remembered one no. of Disney's films. Uh, partly because it. It reuses it recycles a lot yeah. of animation. Do you yeah, know about so that? yeah, so um uh the little John uh is actually Baloo from Yeah, uh, it's just Baloo. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Prince John one is uh, is also in bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah. Uh there's some scenes that are copied yeah, because they weren't they didn't have any money. But yeah. for me as a kid I didn't know that. And, no, exactly. Like and, it doesn't really matter, but it's just like I've looked it up and it's got it reuses in, a lot of animation from the Jungle yeah, Book, yeah. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, yeah. The Aristocats, and yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's really I don't, like I don't think that's a I think that's just um, quite smart of them in a way to be able to pull old animation like that and make a new make a new product out of it. It's um, using all of the buffalo, shall we say? Yeah, and it was brilliant, and it still is brilliant, and the music is really good. And um, it starts. It starts with a book, you know, like the sword and the stone. It starts with a book and the story, and uh, there's this. Um, yes, it, and like, Sleeping Beauty as well starts yeah. like that, right? And yeah. I, it just that, that for me was the beginning of cartoons when I was growing yeah. up, and I, yeah, I just it just um, makes me really like nostalgic, but also I think it's a really good animation film because mm -hmm. it's so imprinted in my brain. Yeah. So if I. If I if I think of Robin Hood, I can think about I can like the song. The, I remember the songs and I remember what happens and I yeah. And also I was in love with Robin Hood. I was mm. in love with a fox. Well, that's another thing. It's been reappraised by um, certain communities that are in, invested in uh, uh, furry animals like that uh, recently. I think as well. What? There's a lot. There's a lot of people that are attracted to uh, to Robin Hood. It's not just you. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but I I I love it, and I love I will always love it, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a good film. Yeah. Have no, you watched it? I've I have watched it, but it's definitely. I think I watched it at my grandparents when I was probably about seven. Was the mm. last time I saw uh, Disney's Robin Hood. Mm. But it's a good choice. I like it. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. <laughs> It's my number two. My number two. Uh, do you want to hear about my number two? Yes, please. My number two is a film from 2009. It is another stop-motion film. It is another Roald Dahl adaptation. It is directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, I you mentioned put... it before. Yeah. 
It's fantastic, Mr. Fox. Yeah, I nearly put that one, but then I spoke oh, too you? much about Wes Anderson last week, so I didn't. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, I it's it's I think it's definitely my favourite Wes Anderson film, and often I think people don't really talk about it as a favourite Wes Anderson movie because it's an animation, and they mm. kind of there's almost this unspoken feeling that because it's an animation, it's not it's not a real film, or it's not as it's not as important as his live action movies. Yeah, I totally disagree. His directing style lends itself perfectly to animation. Mm. The, di- the dioramas he creates in his live-action movies are unique in live-action, and they are also unique in animation, but they work so well in animation. He's able to create these perfect, wonderful little scenes. And I think there are people who maybe love Roald Dahl that don't really like Wes Anderson's style, who don't like the film so much. Uh, mm. It's Some people feel it's quite Americanized in some ways, like the, there's a game that they play that was invented for the film. That's kind of a version of baseball. I think some people get a bit worked up about the fact that it's essentially got baseball in it when it's a children's <gasps> British film. Oh my goodness! I know, but Do we I, not have I rounders think rounders in England. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Of course. I think. <laughs> I think his. I think his sensibilities and his direction yeah. style and the way he views the world meshes yeah. so well yeah. with with Roald Dahl because both of them had a had a layer of darkness running through their work and but but presented in quite a, mm. a happy light way almost and it it's just great and what i love about the movie are the little touches like um the characters don't swear in the film they just mm. say cuss all the time yeah. which really makes me laugh every single time yeah and when they argue they start fighting yeah. like animals do they start hissing <laughs> so and scratching at each other yeah. and it's really so it's good. really easy to forget they're meant to be animals yeah. until they suddenly start like attacking each yeah. other like real animals and it's so, that just makes me laugh every single time as well mm. The voice cast is amazing. George Clooney is as charming yeah. as he's ever been. Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, um, Willem Dafoe uh, turns up. You know, that's another thing that I really love is that Roald Dahl is really good at giving small characters a lot to do mm. and they have a big impact. Mm. And the rat that guards the cider is such yeah. a good example because it's such a tiny character. Yeah. But in, it's really memorable because it gets drunk on the cider all mm. the time. Which again, for a children's story, is some, a bit subversive and something that you wouldn't see so much nowadays. But they yeah. left that in the film, and it's voiced by Willem Dafoe, and it is perfect. And it's such a memorable character and such a memorable moment for such a short scene. Mm. Um, and it was also memorable in the book, the way it shows Boggis and Bunsen Bean, uh, the way it animates them and shows their free farms. It's just mm. perfect. It's just beautiful. It it lends itself so well, his style to a children's film. Uh, I like it more than Isle of Dogs. For yeah. me, it's his best film. So, so mm. yeah, fantastic, Mr. Fox. It is the best. Yeah, and... I love that uh, film. It was it yeah. was nearly on my <clears> list, <throat> but um, I thought I can't just be boring and put Wes Anderson everywhere. <laughs> I am happy to do that. I haven't had so him on good. any of my other lists, so I'm happy mm. to put him on my on my animation list. Yeah, very um, good choice. I like it. Yeah. I really like it. Uh, yeah. There's a bit where Jarvis Cocker sings a really good song and then uh, Michael Gambon's farmer character just goes, you wrote a bad song, P.E., and that also makes me laugh every time. <laughs> oh, it's good. Oh, I love that film. Uh, and then when they break into the supermarket, yeah, it just, oh. oh, and the bit the bit where they're uh, escaping on the motorbike and yeah. in the distance you see a snowy mountain and there's an outline of a wolf. Yes! And they, they just stop and look at each other <laughs> and then carry on. It's, it's so, so gorgeous and yeah. it's so... Oh, Everything is beautiful. Fantastic film. I like it, Joyce. Thank you. Good, good. You're welcome. How, how about your number one? My number one. Uh, my number one would have been would have not been my number one <gasps> unless 
I went to visit our friend Dan last year in Australia. Uh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so, um, well, the story started though. I I listened to this soundtrack. Uh, so we went on a road trip to meet our other friend uh, in a place called Dubbo, and it's okay. a very long drive. I think it's an eight-hour drive. And I, on the way there, I think we listened to this soundtrack about a good five times. And if only it'd been the Hamilton soundtrack. <laughs> Things could have been so different. <laughs> and uh, it kind of got. Dan stuck likes in my Hamilton, head. Alex. He loves Arlington. And then once we got to Dubbo, we watched the film and I knew the entire soundtrack. Okay. But I didn't know the film, but I loved the film. I got obsessed with the film. And the film is called Moana. Oh my word. Okay. (laughs) Um so then my number one is Moana. Sorry about the prelude the pre I can't believe that your number one is Moana. Why? I don't know. I'm just shocked. No, no. Listen to me. It's so good. I um, know it was. It was on I, my list. I knocked it off my list for James and the Giant Peach at the very last second. Ah, well, I wasn't. I didn't give it any time of the day because I think for a, for a while recently, I just haven't. I've been more into other things. Uh, you know, more Japanese anime and animation, yeah. and and yeah. I haven't given really any time to new Disney films and um, and so listening to the soundtrack I really really loved it and um, and I thought it was really powerful and then watching the film knowing the soundtrack it got even more incredible and so Moana is the story of this um, she's not a princess really she's a uh, she's the daughter of the village's chief uh, and uh, so she's she... a princess in the classic Disney princess well she's not really a princess though she's not she... because she's not a princess she's Moana and that's the kind of difference that she's just kind of the daughter at the time and she's going to become the chief but she's not going to mm. become the queen or the princess she's going no, to become no, of the chief not. but all so... I mean is that yeah she, she's still it's not a bad thing to be a, for her to be a Disney no, princess. But it's... No, it's not a bad thing, but I think it's elevated. I think that's why I like it so much, because it's kind of like an elevation of Disney, of creating yeah. a character that is not going to be a princess, but she's going to be a chief for her village. Yeah, but she's 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 not a Caucasian character, for example. And no. I think it's still important to be able to call her a Disney princess and have her be part of that. Yeah, yeah, but I, you know the, I mean? but I'm not saying that she shouldn't be a Disney princess, of course. But I don't want her to be like the other Disney princesses. No, I no, no. But I, be... I want her to. I want her to go in there and vary up. You know, yeah. add 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 variety to. Yeah, but in Wreck-It Ralph, she's to... with the Disney princesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, so yeah, she yeah, is. and 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 um, the the Sugar Rush girl mm. whose name I forgot from Wreck-It Ralph, she's a Disney princess as yeah. well. In yeah, my, you know. Yeah. Know, anyway, 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 yeah. go on. Yeah, Sorry. Uh, but uh, she wants to, well, um, she's in an island uh, in Polynesia and she feels like she could, you know, discover more. Uh, but her father is very protective and he wants her to be with the people. Uh, but then in the island, uh, something bad happens and everything starts kind of dying and she doesn't know why. And then she goes on a voyage to find Maui, which hopefully will restore. Uh, well, Maui has to return the heart of the ocean where it was to then restore everything and everything will be fine. The music is really good. The music uh, is really good. 
really, really good. Really, really good. The soundtrack is great, right? So good. The songs are just incredible. Yeah, it's just so good. And uh, Dwayne Johnson. Do you know who wrote the songs? Who wrote the songs? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I was going to... Yes, please. He's he's pretty good at writing good songs, isn't he, that Lin-Manuel Miranda? Definitely, definitely. You should check out his other work. Oh... It's funny because every week you send me some messages <laughs> to just try and make me like Hamilton more. Now I just like it by proxy. Yes, you do. Um, but yeah, uh, she's she's strong. She's great. Uh, Dwayne Johnson is amazing. I love his voice. Um, I like I like everything about Moana. I have a slight issue. Give us to the issue <laughs> with Dwayne Dwayne Johnson. Go. Specifically around Moana. Okay. So I, I don't remember the tweet word for word, but when Moana came out, he tweeted something like, everyone go and see Moana this weekend. And men, if it makes you cry, make sure you hide your tears from your partner. Something like that. And I don't like that he sort of... <sighs> mentioned how if, if men want to cry at a film, they shouldn't have to hide their tears. That's all I want to say. I just I find it irritating that he tweeted that, and it's always been a little chip on my shoulder. You see what I mean? Mm. Like everyone should be willing to. I, mm. I I think it does more harm than good. Can encouraging mm. men to uh, yeah. to hide when they cry, mm. and he should have thought twice before saying that because he is very good in the film. He, it's a yeah. brilliant performance. Yeah. He's a very charismatic man, yeah. but he's also apparently a Republican, and he tweeted that, and I find it quite difficult to really. Truly he's a Republican. Like Supposedly, apparently, yeah. Oh, God. I know. Well, I take that back. Dwayne Johnson was <laughs> just all right. <laughs> um, also, I really liked Moana hasn't got a love interest. She's nope, got a yeah. chicken. <laughs> She's got a chicken and a pig that she And a pig, behind. and I love it. There's, you know, and In Maui, fact, although yep. being great, he's an idiot and in yeah. a way i really enjoyed that not that i'm saying all men are idiots but you know the portrayal of like the girl needing the boy is not is not part of the the narrative anymore and mm. i thought that was really good because she's independent yeah her father doesn't want her to marry somebody um she's not they don't care if she's a woman going to be the chief or the princess whatever you want to call it yeah she's right. just moana and she's great and independent and that's why i loved it because i didn't see that in my when i was growing up i saw Mm -hmm. the little mermaid where you know she uh, got her voice away to get eric uh, or you know she gets kissed by the prince so that's what i saw in my in growing up if i could and girls seeing this i think is really good and empowering yeah, and it's not quite as pronounced in another film, which isn't on my list, but I actually really like it, and a lot of people are quite sniffy about it mm. due to, I think, how popular it is. But Frozen is another movie where yes. there is a love interest in Frozen for one of the sisters, but yeah. the main focus of Frozen is on the sisters and their relationship, and particular yeah. characters of Elsa. Yeah, It's about her internal struggle. It's not anything to yeah. do with a love interest at all. And yeah. I, I like that Disney movies are starting more and more to sort of have female characters and, and that's why I think it's really important to call those characters Disney princesses because they aren't mm. defined by being a princess and by being in love with a prince but they yeah. are still you know yeah. important characters and they should be up there with, mm. with those earlier characters that came before them um, yeah so. I guess I didn't I guess sometimes maybe I feel like a Disney princess <clears throat> is not 
something that you should aspire to be. No, no, no. Because it because of me growing up, a Disney princess had like the um, you know, the the pink dress and the tiara, and had yeah. a, I always had you know her attention. Well, her her being whole was a Disney prince. Yeah. And I think you know even Robin Hood, my number two, uh, Lady Marion is really weak. <laughs> <laughs> and you know uh, you watch that not for lady mary yeah. watch that for robin hood yeah. and but and she's and in a way i although it's not necessarily true disney princesses for me are a little bit weak but yes, but, but not necessarily this... but like if you put them in in the context of like disney princesses as the heroes yeah moana is definitely a hero yeah and the reason why i keep bringing it up a little bit is that disney princess isn't just a label it's a brand at disney which makes a lot of money for oh, okay. them every yeah. year so it's not going anywhere so i think the more that can be done to diversify yeah, definitely. that character that character range that brand in a way because it is a brand mm. um the more that can be done to add characters to that set of characters that diversifies it that makes it more interesting and stronger the better so characters like moana mm. and elsa and anna from frozen yeah do a lot to help to help with that and mm. also the, the character from wreck ralph whose name i keep forgetting <laughs> uh, yeah and yeah and in fact another thing i want to mention is did you know that when moana came out they released another film that year it was the first time they'd released two animated mm. movies in the same year since 2002 the other one being one that i think is a little bit more forgotten now because moana was so big but i think is equally brilliant zutopia Zootopia is so good. Isn't it just? Oh, it's, it's a great amazing. Film. Yeah, that was really, really good yeah. as well. The, the bunny in that film is yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know if she's a Disney princess, but she's good. She's a Disney princess. She's yes. a Disney rabbit detective. That's what you need to Fun do. fact about Moana. Yeah. In Italy, Moana is not called Moana. Ooh. Did you know that? I didn't. In Italy, Moana is called Oceania. And the reason why Moana is called Oceania is because one of the biggest porn stars in the 70s in Italy was called <laughs> Moana Pozzi. And so right. they could not possibly call <laughs> this cartoon Moana because all the dads and, you know, grandparents, probably grandparents at this point would have been like, oh, uh. so they didn't call it Moana. <laughs> and so they called it Oceania fascinating fascinating uh, eh? yeah that's interesting yeah okay that was my fun fact of the day yeah maybe i should do a jingle for that fun fact of the day sorry yes please no it's good (laughs) um okay so my number one my number one is a film by i'm really surprised actually that it's taken this long to mention this studio because they are like the dominate the dominating sort of titans of animation, especially nowadays. Mm. It is a it is a Pixar movie. Ooh. Yeah. A Disney Pixar movie. My favourite animation and my favourite Pixar film was a toss-up, actually, between two Pixar films. One of them was Ratatouille, which ah! I love, love Ratatouille. Love Ratatouille. it is not Ratatouille. It is a film from 2015 called Inside Out. <gasps> ah, Inside ah. Out! Inside Out. I like Inside, Inside out. out. Yeah, it's the story of a a young girl who called Riley, and it's a very. If the story was told entirely from the perspective of Riley, it would be a, a <gasps> an incredibly simple tale of just a young girl mm. being asked to move from 
one city to another and and that's a really difficult thing for for anybody but particularly a child who doesn't fully understand you know mm. when they're still forming their memories still forming their views on the world mm. and on life to suddenly be taken out of, of an environment that involved you know she lives in i can't remember exactly where she lives but she lives in quite a snowy place and plays hockey a lot Mm. Uh, at the start and they moved to San Francisco which is a very different environment a mm. very different place for a young person and her parents are very busy dealing with this change as well so she really struggles with it and that's why the film is told mainly through the perspective of her emotions mm. and it takes place inside her head and the main kind of character you follow is Joy played by Amy Poehler from Parks mm. and Recreation mm-hmm. and the second main character I guess you'd say was is Sadness played by Phyllis Smith who's uh, in The Office mm. And Mindy Kaling, who's in the office as well, plays Envy. Mm. And they kind of get these quite good comedians to play these emotions, and they do a really good job. And what I love about the film is it's about Joy, Mm. the character of Joy, learning that you don't always have to be happy, that it's really important to understand when sadness is a valuable emotion and when Mm. it's appropriate to be sad, and also when it's appropriate to be angry and scared and uh disgusted mm. which are the other emotions but but sadness is kind of equally important to as the big emotions you know joy is obviously really important and we want to be happy as much as we can mm. but without the experiences of sadness and 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 you know being being sad mm. you don't really know what joy is i think mm. so i really like that the movie sort of is about this character kind of coming to terms with that and as, yeah. as a young girl come to terms with that that, that, that it's healthy to be sad a, a bit like in a way what I was talking about a few minutes ago with, with Dwayne Johnson's tweet about Moana mm. you know we should embrace sadness and not you know always being sad and obviously depression is a real is, a, is an illness and a struggle yeah. and people people deal with that all across the world every day but equally you know, part of dealing with that, I think, is acknowledging and understanding that those feelings of sadness are human and are important and we should embrace them as much mm. as we embrace joy. And the fact that, you know, Pixar, a billion dollar animation studio that have made some of the most successful animated movies of all time, you know, Cars, Toy Story, mm. all of these things. The fact that they, they took the time to make this really kind of small film about a little girl and her struggle with, with, with moving house. Mm. Um is I think brilliant and the fact that it takes place inside her head also allows them to really go as wild as they've ever been mm. with the animation styles and um and yeah I absolutely love it I love the animation in it I absolutely adore the way the the uh, emotion characters are animated the way they look they have all this almost fur fur like texture to them yeah like they're dolls um and it's it's really funny like once joy and sadness disappear on their adventure inside her mind mm. seeing uh fear envy and disgust trying to no sorry fear disgust and anger trying to run uh her mind without mm. joy and sadness there are some really funny scenes as well so yeah it's just a really good film it's a heartfelt movie mm. it's a great pixar movie it's a great animated movie and pixar's next film that should have been out by now i think but obviously COVID-19 has destroyed everything, is, is, looks like a bit of a sister, sister piece to it. It's mm. called Soul. Oh, okay. And it's about a, man, it's about a mm. man that dies near the start and it's about his journey uh, through the afterlife. And it, again, it looks like it's got really interesting mm. out there animation styles in it and stuff like that. So I'm really, really excited to see Soul mm. because I really do love uh, Inside Out quite a bit. So yeah, that's my number one. Nice. I like mm. it. Well, we have time. Well, shall we run down? Do you want to run down your top five as yeah. we've gotten to the end? Yep. Top five. So number five, all dogs go to heaven. Number four, Hercules. 
Number three, Chicken Run. Number two, Robin Hood. Number one, Moana. <laughs> I love it. Okay, mine. Number five, A Goofy Movie. Number four, James and the Giant Peach. Number three, Mulan. Number two, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And number one, Inside Out. Thank you very much. So, honourable mentions? Yes, please. Uh, do you want to start? Uh, yes. Uh, so my honourable mentions are uh, Big Hero 6. Okay. Um, I only, I've only watched it recently and I really enjoyed it. Um, the Lion King. For years it was my favourite, but uh, it was difficult. Uh, Up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, how to Train Your Dragon. Mm. You don't like it? Not really. Oh. That's fine. <laughs> Ice Age. Uh, Coraline. Coraline. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Anastasia, which is another one of uh, Don Bluth's uh, It is. Films. It's one of his later ones, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. An American Tale. Uh, Wally. Uh, Isle of Dogs. The Sword in the Stone. Okay. The Land Before Time. Wow. Moana. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh! Yeah. That film is so good! Yeah, it is. It's brilliant. It's, it's the best. Uh, the Lego Movie. Yes. Uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Ooh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, you'll definitely like that. I really wanted to put a Leica movie. Do you know Leica? Mm, no. They're a stop-motion animation studio who make beautiful films. They've mm. done... Um, uh, what, what films have they done? The Box Trolls, mm. Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, The Missing Link, Paranorman, mm. and Coraline, actually. Oh, okay. So I really want to put one of their films on my list, but none of them... They haven't yet made the movie that I really, really love, but I'm sure they will at some point, because all of their films are... Like, if we were, mm. doing, a, if we were doing a list of our favourite animation studios, like it would mm. be on my list, but it's almost like they've not made the one film that's specifically I've fallen in love with yet, if you see what I mean. Mm. But yeah, if you haven't, you would really like Kubo and the Two Strings, so you should uh, you should check it out. Mm. Uh, the Iron Giant. Okay, yeah. Great film. Aladdin, Ratatouille, mm. Space Jam. Ooh, Space uh, Jam. The Box Trolls, Nightmare Before Christmas, and Coraline. They're the kind of the main ones that came to mind for mm. my honorable mentions. So yeah, um, homework time. I would like you to please watch a Goofy movie. Oh, <laughs> I wanted to watch James and the Giant Peach. Well, you can watch that in your own time. You're watching a, a <laughs> where, where can movie. I, where can I find it? Disney Plus? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. It's easily watched. A goofy movie. Okay, what film can you watch? Um, what <clears> films haven't you watched? Well, from your top five, the two that I haven't watched you know, in so long that I don't remember them are All Dogs Go to Heaven and Robin Hood. You should watch Robin Hood. Yeah? Okay, yeah. we'll do. I will yeah. watch Robin Hood and let you know what I think yeah. of it next week. Okay, so thanks for listening. If you've stuck with us this far, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. Definitely. Um, what are we going to do next week? Next week, we will be doing our top five international animated films or our animated films that are in a foreign language, for example. Definitely. It, it, it will be quite dominated, I suspect, by Japan. Well, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Definitely when dominated you, when by you t- Japan. Yeah, because, I mean, many countries around the world produce beautiful animation. Yeah. But particularly for us, and also in general, Japan are definitely a powerhouse of of animation. So there's a lot of variety to talk about in in terms of what they've produced. You know, your Studio Ghibli's are very different from some of your other animes, and uh, all of it's worth discussing. So 
come back for that next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. As always, thank you for having listened. You can find us in the following places online if you'd like to join the discussion. You can find us on Facebook at Culture Bucket Podcast. You can find our Facebook discussion group under Culture Bucket Bucket Squad. You can find us on Twitter under at Culture Bucket Pod. Instagram is Culture Bucket Podcast. And our email address is culturebucketpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to find us on movie lists, you can go to Letterboxd and look at Culture Bucket. And please do let us know if you have any thoughts on what we've discussed today. Alright, thank you very much. Love you, bye!